Thank you for joining us on That's a Good Question, a podcast where we answer your questions from last Sunday's sermon at Peace Church. We hope that these answers will encourage you and help you see the depth and beauty of the gospel. Let's dive into this week's questions. Hey, everybody. Welcome to That's a Good Question. I'm John, and I'm here with... I'm Nate. And we're excited to answer some questions. That's a Good Question is the show where we answer questions about the Christian faith, as well as about the sermon that was preached on Sunday at Peace Church. And just so you know, you can watch this as a video on YouTube or Facebook, but also you can listen to this as a podcast wherever you get podcasts from if you want to listen to it while you're driving, at work, all that kind of stuff. So great questions today. All right. Let's jump in. Here we go. Number one. Since God is all-knowing and he is a spiritual being and Satan is also a spiritual being, what level of knowledge does Satan have? Obviously, he's not all-knowing because he's not God, but does he have a higher level of knowledge because he is a spiritual being? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the easiest way to answer it would be, it's kind of already there in the question, but lower than God, I would say higher than us. Um, And in terms of how should we respond to that? Which is always my wonder when we're talking about these things like Satan and evil forces, demons. I think we need to make sure we don't underestimate them. And that's fair because they, they are powerful spiritual beings who um, are seeking to destroy and to kill. Um, But we also shouldn't overestimate them to the point of like debilitating fear where we go, Ah, oh, like if if Satan's here and if he knows everything, he's going to be able to affect me in a way that I can't fight that that God can't even um, yeah. can't even fight against, and that's not the case at all. So it's that weird in between. Yes, I'd say he's higher than us, lower than God, but our response should be don't overestimate and don't underestimate either. Right, I like that. I think one of the reasons that he's um, we know that he knows a lot more than we do is simply because of his age. He's yeah. a little advanced in age. He's uh, He's been around mm-hmm. since the beginning, yeah. you know, or the beginning of time for us, uh, since not since eternity, because God is only eternal. But um, yeah, Satan's been around a lot longer than us. He's seen human beings interact and live life longer than us. So he's, you know, developed some strategies and some yeah. plans and some tactics yeah. that he's got tried and true proven success with. So yeah. he's got he's got good tactics. We also know uh, that he knows the scriptures. Yeah, uh, I think of when Jesus is tempted in the wilderness in the New Testament. Um, he's able to quote scripture at Jesus. Um, Satan, of course, hates God's word, but he does know it well. I would imagine he probably knows it better even than we do. He's had a lot more time to study it. Um, Yeah, and he's also got knowledge of the spiritual realm, right? Things beyond earth, things beyond us. So he's got kind of that bigger, higher up perspective. Yeah, Yeah. I think we approach it with a proper... uh, not a fear, but a proper understanding of that we have to pray against this and fight against some of his work, but at the the same time with a confidence that knowing God is stronger and through Christ in us and the Holy Spirit that he sends with us, we can overcome even with all of his knowledge and power and even with all of his um, evil intentions. Yeah. We can overcome through Jesus. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Awesome. Good. Next question. Was Job a real person or was this just a parable? Good question. That's fair. I mean, the same question I think came up not, we didn't have these videos at that time, but when we did the Jonah series that you put together, I had some people ask me, so is Jonah real? Because there's some, even some solid great Christians who say, ah, Jonah, 
like all the Bible's real, but the Jonah story, that might be more of a satire, not a real... And sure. you hear that with Job. Is this kind of a bu- beautiful parable, poetry? Is it philosophy kind of packaged in this little bit of a narrative with Job and God and Satan and Job's friends? And, um, and actually, I think yeah. I shared during the Jonah series that I... I had several seminary professors that said they didn't believe in Jonah. They thought Jonah was not a real story. It was was made up. So this is one of those interesting ones where you might even hear someone, uh, a pastor you like or someone you respect, maybe allude to someone like Job or Jonah, maybe not being real in the sense that we would believe most of the other historical narrative, and especially Jesus and the cross and the resurrection. Uh, For me, with both Jonah and Job, because of ways that either Jesus or writers in the New Testament reference back to them and treat them as real people and the situations that we read about in the Old Testament as true historical situations, I think both Jonah and Job were real people and that this really happened. Um, With Job's case, it's in James 5. There's a reference to, to Job as a real, treating him as a real person. And I understand why people might ask that because the Job story is so unique. It feels different than a lot of other historical narrative. And I think as we're I think as we're reading scripture and approaching it, we can understand that it's all true, but we can encounter different genres as we look at it. So the section that we're getting ready to go over this next week uh, with Job's friends, I believe that Job's friends really came and really spoke with him, but it's written in a very poetic way. So you can see how a Bible scholar could say, hey, this is more poetry. So in that sense, we don't know if they had this exact conversation because it's written with such beautiful poetry. In the same way that the Psalms are true or Proverbs are true, uh, poetry is true. It has to be written in in the right way. But personally, I do believe Job's friends actually came together and discussed this. Uh, there's a lot of philosophy. It's written in a very poetic way. But as we're going to discuss this upcoming Sunday, it's also a very practical look. And how do you walk with your friends through loss and suffering as well? So I do think Job was real. Yeah. And I think as, in the case of Jonah, especially yeah. people want to say that it's not real because of the supernatural elements. Right. They say, oh, the, a man being swallowed by a giant fish, right. that's just silly. Right. right. They want to throw out the supernatural elements. But of course, if you accept Genesis 1, that yeah. God created everything, yeah. then the super, supernatural elements become much less hard to believe because we realize God created everything and he can do yeah. what he wants within his creation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like you said with Job, it's for a little different reason, yeah. kind of some of the literary features. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I, yeah, I think Job. Job is a yeah. yeah. Scripture portrays for us that Job is a real person. Yes. Um, you mentioned James five. Another one is Ezekiel fourteen in the Old Testament. So Old Testament and New Testament refers to Job as if he's a real person. And yeah. so that's the way I think we ought to take it. Yeah, uh, you, it's so interesting you bring up why people would approach that with Jonah. I, I think a good reason to wrestle with. Um, what genre Job is and how we should approach it is like the literary framework and features. Two bad reasons that someone might think that Job isn't real is for the supernatural element The oh, it's God and Satan interacting and that, you know, oh, is that really how things work? You know, again, we don't fully understand the spiritual realm, but when the Bible gives us a picture into it, we shouldn't just dismiss it. We should learn from it and receive what God's trying to teach us. And the second reason I think even I think most people might want to dismiss Job because it's just hard to grapple with the reality of God's justice and all the questions that come and to know that um, suffering and loss are real. God's aware of them. It's not that he can't 
prevent them from happening. In Job's case, we see the clearest example of him actively permitting them to happen for a very specific purpose. And that can just be hard for us as humans to grapple with and and to understand the magnitude and the complexity that God can bring to the table and that we see so clearly in Job. But that's not a reason to dismiss it. Like every other hard thing we interact with in the Bible, we need to receive it. We Even when we don't fully understand, we need to know that God's ways are higher than our ways and we got to figure it out. Yeah. Amen. All right. Next question. Here we go. Uh, The person writes, I have responded both as Job with pride and as Job's wife with despair in seasons of suffering. We talked about that on Sunday in the sermon. How do I wrestle with that truth and tension as a Christian? That's yeah, that's a great question, too. And I think the we see those two responses in the story of Job. It's so black and white that Job responds so well and in this specific instance, and Pastor Ryan did a good job of talking about we, we need to be gracious in how we think of Job's wife because she went through so much that Job did as well. But she, in this moment, in this instance, she didn't approach it as well as Job did. Um, but for most of us in our day-to-day life, when we encounter loss and suffering, we're probably going to be somewhere in between. Um, we probably won't respond the way Job did as the righteous man, the blameless one, this guy who kind of realistically was probably one of the most righteous men to ever live. We know because all have sinned and fall short. It's not that Job was sinless, but God says he's a righteous, blameless man. So we got to take that seriously. Um, But here's the two perspectives, I think, and this goes back to the gospel of at those times where we respond more like Job's wife, we need to be thankful that Grace covers that, that when we even look to God and we're not um, responding well, we're not responding in the fullness of faith that we we ought to moment by moment, Jesus's perfect righteousness covers where we fall short. Um, but on the other side, that doesn't mean we just say, okay, cool, we're like Job's wife, God's grace covers it, so it doesn't matter how I respond. Job is still a beautiful example of how to keep the faith even in the hardest times. And ironically, it's not just great God's grace that forgives us, but it's also God's transforming grace at work in us that allows us to grow and become more like Jesus. And in this instance, kind of follow the example of Job more to to sustain and to persevere in our faith, even in the hardest times, even through the darkest valley. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's natural that we as human beings, we don't always lean in one way or the other, Job or Job's wife. We sometimes do both within the same five minutes. We can err in either direction. Um, One of the other takeaways that uh, I think we could talk about is that we shouldn't always put ourselves in the seat of Job in the Job story. Uh, We shouldn't. We should probably rarely put ourselves in the seat of the hero in any Bible story. Uh, You know, that's a popular way to preach is, you know, dare to be a Daniel, uh, be like David, uh, all that kind of stuff. But that's just not how it is. When we look at scripture stories, usually we're not, we shouldn't usually put ourselves in the seat of the hero, but in the seat of the bad guy, because we are fallen, sinful, broken people uh, who are being saved by a great savior. Um, In the story of David, Jesus is the one who's like David, who comes in to triumph. I've been grappling with that personally as we're reading Job and uh, working through it as a church. I just keep thinking to myself, I would not, I don't think, I would not be responding the way Job is. And so I'm so thankful for God's grace because I would not be righteous and blameless. And I don't, I think if I lost all my children, if I lost all of my possessions, if my health plummeted, 
I'd, I'd, I'd hope that I would have elements of Job's response, but I know myself and I'm thankful that God's grace would be there because I know that it would be a struggle to respond as well as Job did. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. All right. Next question. In the sermon that was preached at Peace Church, uh, we talked about using the ESV Bible, the English Standard Version. So why does Peace Church use the ESV as opposed to other translations? Great question. Uh, we're going to put a link in the description because that's actually a question that we've answered before in other videos. So we'll put a link to that to pick up on that question. Awesome. Uh, next one. How do we as Christians best help those who come from an LGBT background uh, to feel supported and welcomed and loved when they come to church, even when we talk about um, some of the biblical truth, hard biblical truth about those realities. Yeah. You know, we've actually talked about that. We did a whole, that's a good question. That was yeah. kind of covering some of those topics. But for someone who's probably coming off the sermon yesterday, where Pastor Ryan talked very clearly about how we would feel um, about those who would uh, who would identify as being transgender would say, hey, I'm, no, I'm this biological gender, but I want to try to appear as the other one or try to be the other one. We don't believe that that's just scientifically or theologically a possibility and reality. But for those who are grappling with that, I could see how if somebody was sitting there yesterday listening to that message um, and hearing Pastor Ryan speak with a lot of clarity yeah. on that topic, that that could feel really hard and that could feel unwelcome and um, even unloving. I know for me, I know Pastor Ryan well. I know his heart of love for everyone. And so I was able to hear through, I, I know what he really intended to say, which was that he, his heart breaks for people who are in this circumstance was that, and he, there was a lot of ownership in saying some of the stuff we've done generally, generationally, even that we've let sneak into the lives of um, mature Christians of just allowing kind of um, entitlement, relativism, um, freedom over any boundaries given in scripture that we've we've let that happen and look at where it's brought us. And so if anything, I heard him kind of saying, hey, we as a church got to grapple with um, how we've allowed some of this to happen and the negative effect that it can have on people's lives. So I heard the love there, but at the same time, I'm so thankful that we have a lead pastor and that we have pastors in our church who, even when it's really hard, even when it's not culturally popular, they speak the truth even when it can be misinterpreted, even when the tone um, isn't always listened to and it's just the words. But I, I know I heard someone who was really passionate about the topic yesterday, um, but that also loves those people. So to answer the question, that's one of the hardest balances that we as Christians have to walk. Yes, with those who would identify in different communities, like saying that they're part of what's called the LGBT community, um, we have to be so careful to both speak the truth, but do it in a loving way. And we're never going to be perfect on that. Uh, but what it practically looks like is welcoming people exactly as they are, but loving them too much to let them stay that way. That's as simple as it is. And for some people, if we don't welcome them and then embrace them exactly as they are. They'll never see that as love. And there's very little we can do to change their mind about that. And there are other people who, if we welcome them at all, they're going to see that as compromise. Sure. Um, and they're going to say, hey, Peace Church is a church that's 
embracing stuff that's unbiblical and we'll say, no, we're embracing people that are living in unbiblical ways. And then we're loving them so much that we're going to point them to God's truth because we love them. Yeah, that's exactly it. We love them. We we welcome them. We hope they're here. And yet we're also going to preach the truth to them, which we know is sometimes hard to hear. Yeah, that's great. All right. Last question we got here. When I encounter friends and family members who are in seasons of suffering, how can I encourage them in a helpful way and guard my heart against the foolish words that Job's wife had for Job in his suffering? And actually, Pastor Nate is going to be preaching next Sunday at Peace yeah. Church with yeah. tons of information about that as you talk about the friends. Yeah, Job. so that's I'm very excited to work through this. And there's a bunch of different ways you can approach because there's many chapters where, I mean, we're technically going to cover 29 chapters. We're not going to read from even every chapter because there's so much. One of the reasons why we're uh, biting off such a large chunk of scripture is it is one that's especially repetitive. There's different aspects of scripture. We have certain Psalms that have the same lines that reoccur over and over again. And this is a especially repetitive section, but it's all good stuff. If you love poetry, it's really interesting and in some ways beautiful poetry, even though it's on a not so beautiful topic, grief and mourning. But the the writing itself and the poetry behind it is really beautiful. So if you're into that, read that. But that's not exactly what we're going to get super into this Sunday. If you're really into philosophy, this is a really interesting portion of scripture because amidst the beautiful poetic language, there's actually a lot of deep philosophy that has to be grappled with and wrestled with, uh, because as they're trying to figure out what God's justice is, why this is happening, because they don't know what we know. We we kind of have a window into in the beginning of the Job story of what is going on with God and Satan in the spiritual realm. They don't have that picture. So they're really philosophically just wrestling with this. So it's good philosoph- uh, philosophical work. That's not where we're going to dive into completely we're going to get really, really practical as we've been talking about loss and suffering and preparing ourselves for seasons that we know are inevitable on this side of eternity. I also uh, want to use this opportunity to talk through questions like this. What can we learn positively from Job's friends? Because they did some things, especially initially, really, really well. They did some things pretty poorly. And so we're going to talk through that. And then uh, kind of a fun thing, too, at the end of the message, we're going to bring our care pastor, PB, up, and he's going to answer some of these ultra, ultra practical questions. And the way, Ivan, as I was thinking about this question, you know, things like as you're waiting in that visitation line to go talk to somebody, like how should you be approaching that short, brief interaction? And that's a short one or maybe a more intense one as you're going over to a friend or family member's house who's just experienced deep grief through loss or through suffering, you show up, you open the door, you walk in, where where do you go from there? What do you start with? What do you work towards? That's all that we're going to be discussing. So if you... If you're the one asking that question or if that resonates with you, be sure to come next Sunday. And then I'd love even more specific questions for next week's That's a Good Question because that's the specific topic we'll be wrestling. Yeah, that's it. So if this is you asking that question, then uh, we're excited to answer it on Sunday. Tune in for the sermon. And then also be sure to ask even more questions next week as we dive into that specifically. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Pastor Nate. Thanks, everybody. Have an awesome week. Thanks for listening to That's a Good Question. If you want to discover more resources from Peace Church, head to our website at peacechurch.cc. 
Make sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. It helps us get more gospel-centered, family-focused, and kingdom-minded resources to more people. You can find That's a Good Question at resoundmedia.cc or wherever you listen to podcasts.